Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is where you go to save money each and every day. So we all carry smartphones, pretty much. I have one really good friend I've known since middle school who still carries a flip phone. But he's the exception. I want to tell you something you should know about your cell phone coming up in just a few minutes. So I love the Impossible Burger. It's one of the fake hamburgers that's available now in the marketplace. The other one that was all the buzz on Wall Street, the Beyond Burger, I just don't like at all. And I've never liked traditional veggie burgers. So imagine how upset I was when the reports came out that the Impossible Burger was not good for me at all, that it wasn't in any way better than eating beef. I should have known that because it tastes so good. If you ever had one, they really are good. So think about what they're trying to do with the Beyond Burger and the Impossible Burger and the new uh, fake sausages and all that stuff, they're trying to attract not the vegetarian and vegan market for these things because that's such a small slice of the population. They're trying to attract people who really like the taste of meat, period. And how do you get people who like meat, to try one of these substitute things. It's got to taste good. And I believe that the Impossible Burger, besides not being good for me, tastes better than most beef burgers I've had. You may disagree having had one, just like there are people who really, really like the Beyond Burger. But this was something that that I think the experts missed. They thought that these things would only be successful in ultra-white-collar environments, in expensive restaurants that would be charging big money for you to have one of these fake burgers. But where they've really done well is in places like Carl's Jr., and Burger King. And there are people, um, everyday people coming in, not somebody highfalutin coming in, and they're buying these because they like them. Now, you know, the, the reality, though, is that it's not like a guilt free card. And so I've had to unfortunately accept that. There are people who now are saying, well, you should eat these things because they're better for the environment. That particularly cows are terrible for the environment. I I don't know that I'm qualified to speak about that. But the thing that is coming, no doubt, is instead of fake meat, there's going to be real meat grown in a lab. I mean, who would ever thought 
that you'd have diamonds made in a lab that are exquisite and are chemically identical to diamonds dug out of the ground. And they eliminate the danger for miners because, you know, digging for diamonds can be very dangerous. And it eliminates the, um, a lot of the cost involved with them. And they're so much cheaper and getting cheaper to buy. And so that's likely to happen with traditional meat products, that they will be actual real meat, but they will be made in a factory instead of from a cow. I mean, that's weird to think about, but no doubt that's where we're headed. And I'm still going to eat my Impossible Burger, even though it's not good for me. Because it tastes good. Kent is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kent. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Kent. You share a frustration with me, don't you? I think I do. Tell me. Well, I, in my family and I, we enjoy going to uh, some sporting events and some live shows, some concerts and things. And it seems like the fees that are required to be paid just to purchase tickets are getting a little out of hand. and A little out of hand? Yeah, it's gotten so bad that we, we've actually made some decisions on shows we turned down, not because of the ticket price, but because of the fees they were charging. Yeah, I mean, it's common now that the fees added on, all the junk fees, add 30% to the cost of a concert or sporting event. So is there any way to get those fees down? Yes. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple of strategies, and one of them, I'm just smiling all the time, particularly with sports events. So the way you can avoid, in a lot of cases, paying much or all of the junk fees may not be a convenient thing for you, but with a lot of events, you can purchase tickets at the box office itself instead of online, and at many venues, you will avoid the fees in entirety, or a lot of the junk fees. But that's not how I save money. Okay. What I do, do do? I never go to concerts. So I know that this works for some concerts, but I, I couldn't tell you who's a hot act, who's not, or anything. I mean, I'm just brain dead when it comes to that kind of stuff. But sports, I'm all into. And what I do is I buy day of event on StubHub. They'll be bent on StubHub. And what I've been able to do is I've been able repeatedly to buy sports events for half or less what the face amount of the sports event ticket is. Because and you found that to be a safe site and the tickets work fine when you get there? StubHub completely. And okay. StubHub, if you ever show up an event at an event and they say, no go on this, there's no hassle with StubHub and getting your money back. At least that's what they claim. I would know because I have never had a problem with a StubHub purchase. That's good to know. I have had some, uh, knowing that uh, when I've purchased tickets, some of the, most of these venues that you could walk up and pay face value at the box office are just defaulting completely to these third-party agencies. Isn't that awful? 
yeah, you don't even get the option of buying it. In, even some local venues have done that, and it, you don't even get the option of going there anymore. Well, the reason the StubHub things become such an advantage is with, it seems like even second-tier sports events now are televised. Even things that are sold out are becoming soft sellouts, meaning that people may have bought all the tickets, but then somebody will decide, you know what, I just don't want to go today. And when it's really close to event time, the day before the prices start dropping, the day of anything left, they drop a lot. And I was laughing because my wife and I went to an NBA game. She loves NBA basketball. And we ended up in $60 tickets that I paid $11 for the seats. And I was so frustrated with myself because an hour before the game, seats were selling for $5 in the really good seats. So I wasted $6 a seat. So we got nothing to eat or drink in the venue because I'd wasted that money. Allison is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Allison. Hi, Clark. Allison, you wanted to talk about making money selling clothes and buying and saving money buying clothes. Is that right? Yes, sir. I have a very nice mother of the bride dress that I would like to sell. And my sister heard from your show about an app, and she could not remember which one it was. If I'm going to guess right, I know I talked about the real real. Does that sound like that, that could be it? Is that R-E-A-L? Yeah, R-E-A-L, R-E-A-L. Okay. And the I website no is therealreal.com. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, let me tell you how this works. The Real Real sells only high-end goods that are okay. in condition that they are comfortable with making them available for people to buy. So okay. you could have something that that is high-end, and they would decide, well, we know that brand doesn't do well for us, or uh, I don't like this spot on the side of this. So if that one doesn't work and people get the most money selling used goods on the real real, and okay. I say people, it's really only for women, but there's another one called Poshmark that I've talked about as well, P-O-S-H-M-A-R-K.com. Okay. And so I think that, that those would both be a good start to try to sell some stuff. Okay. Well, I appreciate it so much. All right. I hope you got top dollar. Okay. Oh, can I ask you one more thing about the gas app? What was that gas app you told that? Oh, um, Gas Buddy or Gas Price Watch? Gas Buddy or Gas Price Watch. Right. There are trivals. Perfect. All right. Well, have a great day and save money when you're filling up. And Vincent wants to throw the impossible question at me. Vincent, you want to go to Hawaii or any beach at Christmas? Yeah, Clark. So my mom wants to take a family trip for Christmas, and she really likes Hawaii. That was the first suggestion. Kauai, when I started, you said? Uh, Kauai? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but when I started looking at the places, it's almost like twice or three times as much as we pay when we go to Kauai. Yeah. So I was looking for maybe different alternative places. Every beach area in the country or the Caribbean, you will get clobbered through that period just before Christmas to just after New Year's. It's their top revenue 
10 days, two weeks of the year. Because think about it, the demand is through the roof. Now, are there any school kids involved in this group? No, no school kids. All right. I don't know if you can do this, but the irony of it is the week before, usually leaving the mainland, going to Hawaii or whatever beach you'd go to, if you look at going like the 16th, 17th, maybe even, no, probably the 17th would be the last day. The week before tends to be a lot cheaper for any of a number of fun in the sun activities. Example, cruises are a lot cheaper that week before, and a lot of beach resorts are a lot cheaper, and rentals are a lot cheaper that week before. Okay. But if you've got to go Christmas week, you're going to really frustrate yourself because unless you go to areas of the country that are not ultra warm at the beach, like in South Carolina, North Carolina, the Florida Panhandle, something like that, you just pay un, un in, incredible, I can't even get the words out, it just gets me so upset, dollars. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at clark.com. Producer Joel asks your question for you. Joel, what you got? Clark Arthur wants to know, he says, I've seen and heard ads for buying gold as a hedge against the economy collapsing and the dollar becoming worthless. My question is, if I invest in buying gold and something major does happen to the dollar, how would I go about using gold bars? Can I go to the grocery store or the gas station and make a $50 purchase with an ounce of gold? (laughs) Okay, so the deal, buying gold is not an investment. It's what's known as a hedge, and it is kind of like an insurance policy against bad times. So let's say you buy gold and it was such a thing to do in 07, 08, 09 in the, uh, as a result of the banking scandals that a lot of people lost faith in government and in currencies and the U.S. dollar was one of the targets of gold bugs. And so people felt like they needed to have gold because the value of it would just stay where it was, but the value of dollars and yen and euro and Swiss francs and all that would move up and down in relation to gold. That was the theory anyway. So the gold bugs ended up having their hedge but not being able to really use it because world currencies did not collapse from the banking scandals. And as far as how you would use it, so let's say an ounce of gold is, I don't know what it is, but let's just say, for argument's sake, it's $1,000. And the U.S. dollar gets into all kinds of trouble, and then an ounce of gold becomes worth $2,000. What you do is you convert it at the then rate to use it for, uh, it's eleven thirteen hundred twenty-five. Dollars is actually the right amount. So if you were converting it, you would get that amount of whatever money you were converting it to at its value at that time. So one thing, I'm not a fan of buying physical gold, physical silver, physical precious metals. I believe that you should buy funds that handle the buying, the storing, and disposing of that. It's a far cheaper way to do it. You don't have to worry about somebody stealing your precious metals. And I have information at Clark.com how to do that.
All right, Clark, Ron wrote in. He said, thank you for advising the use of a dedicated device and email address for online financial transactions. Do you recommend against using that same device for other non-banking activities such as PayPal and online purchases? Um, PayPal is tied into your accounts. You could use PayPal. The whole idea is think only in terms of financial sites. And PayPal, I guess would fit that definition. I've never thought of it that way, but it would fit. So glad to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website. Clark Deals is our bargain site, where we post deals for you to spend your money all the time, but find bargains while you're doing it. Well, is it a bargain? Is it a deal? to buy the latest, greatest smartphone. We in the United States used to have a system where people got a new phone, overwhelmingly people got a new phone every 18 months. Because cell phone carriers were offering plans where you had to sign a contract with them and under that contract, You were incentivized to get a new phone, depending on which contract you signed, every 18 months usually, or every two years. Well, that doesn't exist anymore. No contracts, thank goodness, because the cell phone contracts were a disaster. And people's satisfaction with the cell phone companies went way up when they got rid of the lousy, stinking, rotten contracts. Because what they do is they would tell you you could get your new phone for 200 bucks, even though they may have paid $800 to buy the phone from the manufacturer, and then they'd make that money up by charging you way too much for monthly service. And you were stuck with them even if they treated you lousy with customer no service or the network wasn't any good or whatever. Now... We're all free agents, but we have to pay a real price for a phone. So now we keep phones three years. Well, on average. I mean, I see people who have kept a phone so long, I can't believe it. It looks like it's from prehistory or something. And whatever that would be for the cell phone business. And keeping a phone longer and longer makes a lot of sense. Buying last year's model makes a lot of sense. And I used to, the joke about me used to be that I got rid of my phone every six weeks or something. And (laughs) I do get phones to test and I buy them because I don't want to be... um, feeling like I owe anybody anything at any company. Got to be unbought and unbossed. I buy them. And what I've noticed so much is that the phones are fantastic. Pretty much doesn't matter what you get. They're fantastic. What they all do is so great. And you can only run up the price so much, which Apple learned hard in the marketplace. And Apple has regained initiative by introducing the 11 which is a great phone at $699, I think it is. Big reduction from what they were trying to get people to spend on the 10 or 10s at like $1,000 or so. 
So they've adjusted. Samsung is adjusting because people are saying, hey, what I have is working great and I don't want to spend $1,000 with you. I want you to know that your phone will perform for you far longer than you might think. And as long as you can still get the latest software updates on the operating system, there's really no reason to prematurely dump your phone anymore. We've become adept in our family at replacing the battery, even having to pay to replace the battery, is a lot cheaper than going out because the battery life starts deteriorating and getting a new phone. So know that today, I know this is going to sound like a ridiculous thing, but it's A-OK now to keep a phone four or five years. And we keep other things that long. (laughs) I mean, a lot of things we keep a lot longer than that. But we just became so conditioned here unlike people anywhere else in the world, to thinking that a cell phone had an expiration date on it at 18 months or 24 months. But it doesn't have to be, and that's why we're now at three years average life. Kathy is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kathy. Hello, Clark. Nice to talk to you. Well, great to have you here, Kathy. And you or nervous about a fast-growing crime where somebody hijacks your cell phone service? Yes, I actually tried to take advantage of some advice you gave us, and I hit a roadblock. Tell me. Well, I called both my brokerage house and my bank, and neither one of them could disable the ability to do a wire transfer from my account. Okay, so what you want to disable is the ability for someone to send one fully electronically. That's that's what, and neither offered you the ability to disable fully electronic transfers where they don't verify with a phone call? Well, they both offered to make phone calls, but my concern was if a hacker is able to get my cell phone number and also get into my cell service, that they would simply be calling the hacker. Exactly. And that's why... If you still have an alternate phone number, you want to use that. Well, they did offer me a secret password that if they call me and I'm not able to give them that word, that they would not do the transfer. Oh, that's exactly the kind of procedure I love. That gets you to where you want to be. Well, that makes me feel a little better. Yeah, because what you're trying to do is, you know, the criminals are only going to know so much stuff. And that's why the cell phone carriers go to the procedure where it's beyond your account number with them and stuff like that, where there will be a code or something that is only known by you and somebody who would be attempting to hijack your SIM won't be able to. And this same way with a financial house, you never want to use a code that you use anywhere else. Right. But now the responsibility is for me to remember the word i know and i know this is going to sound so lame but i like the idea of you writing it down okay. and putting it you know when all the codes you have to have as this is going to continue to unfold you're going to have to have a special secret code that's only for your cell phone you're going to have to have one for your bank you have to have one for your brokerage mutual fund company whatever because nobody has figured out how to stop the thievery 
that is a fast-growing crime right now. And for people who aren't familiar with this conversation, Kathy, what happens is somebody steals your cell phone service, you know, they hijack your number, and then since most financial houses verify with a text or whatever your cell phone, now the criminals have the keys to the kingdom to be able to empty your accounts. So have to patch on the current system that financial houses use and the cell phone carriers use unique secret codes or words with each of them, and you're going to have to do something so analog, take out a sheet of paper and a pen, write them down for each institution like a log, and put them somewhere in your house where you know where you can go get them when you need them. Well, that will work, and I do appreciate the heads up on this uh, cell phone hack. I need to get this word out every possible way I can because this is such a horrible crime because the criminals, and I assume, I don't know, but I assume it's because of all the information that came out of the Equifax data breach is the criminals know who's out there who's got brokerage accounts investment accounts, mutual fund accounts, big 401k accounts. And so they know who to target, and they also know who your cell phone service is with. So it's like on a silver platter for them to then turn around and try to steal all your money. Earl is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Earl, how can I serve you? You have something going on with ID theft? Yes. So basically, uh, about three years ago, I found out somebody used my ID and my information. It took me about three years to rectify it. And my brother, he's 18, and he just moved in with uh, me and my father. So I decided to check his credit, make sure he was okay, too. Come to find out, um, I go to the annualcreditreport.com, and, you know, I go through the entire process. Somebody's been using his credit, and I can't find out what exactly they did on it. But I think it was like a home loan, a few other things. Oh. So... I mean, I know his credit hasn't been frozen or anything. I'm just trying to figure out exactly what's the best avenue. First, you're a great brother. Thank you. So what happens next is with the credit bureaus, it's a whole different path and process. And it's not going to be fun. You're going to have to provide documentation proving who your brother is. And everything you do, because he's an adult now, he's 18, it's going to have to be, even if you're doing it, you're going to have to be doing it as if you're him. Uh, yeah, Isn't that okay. funny? It's almost like I'm talking about you stealing your brother's identity to establish who he is. But anyway, <laughs> you you provide the documentation to the credit bureau, and then they will give your brother control again of his credit report, and then he will have to start on a multi-year process to try to clean up his credit Because, you know, what you've told me with him as a child prior having somebody steal his identity, build a whole backstory and all that, it is the most difficult form of identity theft to clear up because it may have gone on for 10 years or more. So (laughs) the first thing is to get the credit bureau to recognize, oops, we need to establish contact with this individual who's the actual real person not this fake person pretending to be your 18-year-old brother. What, uh, what kind of information exactly should I send him? Like his ID, his birth certificate, or something like that? They will ask specifically for that, but I want to direct you to a particular website 
that will be very helpful to you. It's the website of the Identity Theft Resource Center. Identity Theft Resource Center. It's in Alrighty. San Diego, and they do a fantastic job. The web address is actually idtheftcenter.org. Idtheftcenter.org. And they will, they will walk you through step-by-step what you need to do, how you grab your brother's identity back from the thief, and then the lengthy process of dealing with each of the creditors that gave credit to the person using your brother's identity to clear that up. Uh, Eventually, the process that I'd like to encourage you towards, something known as credit freeze. Yeah, I've, I've heard about that. Where you shut down access to credit so even if somebody attempted to apply for credit as if they were him they won't be able to i have a question it kind of ties into this so basically um about three years ago i found out a family member was using my credit and they destroyed it i'm really Um, sorry well i was able to um get that cleared off but it took about three years and my credit is still not as high as i want it to be because of that now would whatever happened to my brother had the same effect like his credit is going to be low. You potentially, I mean, one of the issues you face is: Do you have any active credit in your own name? I just pay rent, things like that. So, are you a member of a credit union yet? He is, though. I'm not. All right. Well, you need to join one. Uh, he's way too early for what I'm going to recommend to you. Okay. But um, many credit unions have what are known as fresh start programs which are programs that help you establish credit and a credit identity. So you're not going to really get your credit working for you until you have active and available credit. The best of all forms of that is to have a Visa, MasterCard, American Express, or Discover. Okay. And so um, there are a number of people out there of various levels of honesty that peddle what are called secured cards but what you're interested in is something more robust than that and the credit union programs are excellent not every credit union offers a fresh start program okay um my my brother has a delta community so i'll probably just try that place out they're Um, a, a great very large credit union well i do appreciate the assistance sir well good luck to you and and good luck to your brother what a what a terrible Welcome to adulthood to find out somebody's stolen his identity and used it for so many things. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nick is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Nick. 
Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Nick. How can I be of service for you? Well, I'm a longtime fan, uh, a huge uh, listener to your show, but I have a dilemma going on. My girlfriend and I are looking to buy a new car in about 18 months, but her car has just decided it's not going to wait that long for us. So my question is, is it bad if we were to lease a vehicle knowing we're going to buy it and just buy it at the end of the lease term? That way we don't have to get stuck buying a car we don't want now. All right. Better suggestion for you. There are people every day who are stuck in leases trying to get out of them. Okay. And there are services that uh, they don't have pristine customer approval kind of reviews, but you can take over somebody's lease for the remaining months of the lease. So instead of being obligated to a lease for a long term, you could just finish out their lease for them. You know, somebody could have a lease vehicle and they end up getting a free car from work. And then they've got that lease vehicle that's just costing them money they're not using. Okay. And one of the companies is called Swap-A-Lease. that has okay. been around for a long time. And you can go on there and you can see what might be available right now that fits the time window you're looking for. So you're essentially finishing out somebody else's obligation. You get them out from under it. You take it over. And then at the end of the lease, you're done with it. And I like that more than you doing something where you go in leasing a vehicle that at the end you're going to buy. That gets awfully complicated. You got a new vehicle. You're paying all the depreciation on it from brand new. But if you do the tail end of a lease, financially, that works better in this kind of circumstance. Okay, and do those, do you still have to put the down payment or do you just take over someone's payments on those types of leases? It depends on the terms and conditions of taking over that lease. Okay. So what you do is you go to swap a lease. They have a competitor whose name I can't remember right now, but you go there, you do a registration, you tell them what you're looking for, and they'll just tell you the terms and conditions without obligation to you, and you see if that'll work for you. All right, that's a great idea. I never thought of that. I've never even heard of that. And so usually I'm talking to people who are at the other end of it who are in a lease that they need out of a really bad way. Yeah. And so I'm usually talking about getting them out. In your case, you're the solution to their problem. (laughs) Yes. I I just need to buy a bridge for about 18 months. And I think this is the way to get it done for yourself. There's also one called Lease Trader. And look at both of them and see which one best fits your circumstance, your situation. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.